This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. I don't think you can truly change for the better in a lasting, meaningful way unless it is driven by self-acceptance. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm so excited to be here on 6abc.com. And a reminder, also broadcasting on 1210 Talk Radio, WPHT. If you're a fan of radio, you can listen to the show on Sunday nights at 7. Um, I want to take a minute before I bring my guest on to give a big thank you to our corporate partners who sponsor the show and really support uh, what we're doing here and allowing me to tell the stories of women leaders from all around the world. So a big thank you to Comcast, NBC Universal, Penn Community Bank, Curio Digital Therapeutics. And coming up later in the show, you'll hear from our lifestyle contributor, Sherry Morrison. She's going to be sharing with us um, who's coming up on her segments and what she is working on. Um, Don't forget as well that you can find out all kinds of information about the show by going to the website at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now I'm very honored and excited to welcome to the show, Kareth Foster. Kareth is a speaker. She is a humorist, an author, diversity, equity, inclusion, and as she says, belonging expert. Kareth, welcome to the show. Sue, thank you for having me. It's great to have you. And I appreciate the last minute um, availability because I know how busy you are flying around the world doing all the great things you're doing. Well, listen, we make it work, right? That's why the world goes around. It is. And, you know, I wanted to to tell the story of how we met. Um, I always think it's so interesting how you can meet someone years and years ago, and then all of a sudden they come back into your life. And we sat next to each other at an event in New York. And it was a very long time ago. I think it was maybe 2014, 2015. 2015. Yeah. And... I just remember I sat next to you and we started talking and I remember thinking this woman is full of wisdom. And um, I had a feeling that we were going to be working together one day. So I just wanted to share that. Um, And it came to a backstory. Yeah. 
Um, so I want you to talk to the viewers and the listeners a little bit about the community you grew up in in Texas and kind of give them a picture um, of what that was like. Sure. So I was actually born in Denver where our street was little, no, 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 no. But our street was like Sesame street. Like there was one of everything, you know, very, very diverse. Um, the people next door were Hispanic. The people on the other side were black. There was a mixed race couple, caddy corner, an Asian couple down in the cul-de-sac, um, you know, across the street were white neighbors. It was, it was just very mixed and it felt very inclusive. And then we moved to Texas and it was the complete opposite. It was the antithesis of diversity in that respect, ethnic diversity, um, and even financial diversity because we were in a very affluent area. And I will often joke, and when I do my comedy, that you know Plano has the ethnic diversity of Sweden um, <laughs> because I was actually one. There were twelve hundred people in my graduating class from high school. Twelve of us were black. We were part of the one percent. Wow. There was a one percent. Right. <laughs> um, right. I, they, but it wasn't like they didn't ignore the fact that they knew they were not diverse. Like they, they tried, like even in theater, my senior year, I will never forget. I started in an all white production of the play, A Raisin in the Sun. (laughs) And well, I joke about it. And of course, a lot of comedy does come from, you know, what's uncomfortable, what can sometimes be painful. Um, It did leave me feeling kind of caught between two worlds. You know, because I wasn't white enough for the white people and for there were, you know, there was another group of of black and African-American students who kind of were on the other side of town, the not so affluent side. And for them, I wasn't black enough. Mm. And so it was like, well, where do I belong? Where do I fit? Right. And kind of, you know, began this identity crisis of who am I? And the fact that, you know, we were so defined by our ethnicity. Right. And still to this mm-hmm. day, like that's such a conversation. And now it's even, you know, gone, gone further. It's like to the nth degree. Well, what's your political affiliation? You know, what's your gender identity? What is your sexual preference? You know, all of these things. What, what, what denomination are you if you're Christian or not? Like, and it's, it, what it, it did was it, it kind of prepared me though, I think in a challenging, but now I'm grateful for way for the work that I do now. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking uh, back to being um, that age, you know, certainly high school, man, that's hard. Grade school. All you want to do is fit in. So you're already physically not looking like the rest of the kids. And you did share with me that you really think it has served you well. And I wanted you to, be a little more specific about that. In what way? And and also, when when did you realize, you know, that might have been tough for me as a kid, but now looking back, it was a great experience that other young people may not have had. Right. Well, you know, just to echo what you said, adolescence is hard for everyone. Like it's, mm-hmm. there's nobody who, who says, I want to go back and be 16 again. Like no. even if you were captain oh, of this really good squad. Poor girl. Yeah. No. <laughs> I do think some guys do even have, you know, um, because you're, you're so awkward and you're still trying to figure out who you are and where you fit in and you're so self-conscious. And, and this was, you know, pre-social media. So I can imagine how I would have survived that. Um, but I, what it taught me, and I didn't realize the lesson until later, was that nobody had the right to define me but me. But it was a struggle. And I also was, you know, I had some illnesses. I was severely asthmatic and allergic, which led me to be on prednisone, the steroid, and not the kind that makes you an awesome baseball player. The kind that, you know, really wrecks your emotions and, and, you know, causes you to hold on to a lot of water weight. And so, you know, that in tandem with this identity crisis led to some severe depression for which I was actually hospitalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in and of itself an experience because I went into a facility where I was with other young adults, other teenagers who some had been sexually abused. Some were alcoholics, some were chemically dependent. Some had been involved in like really horrible, like satanic ritual stuff. 
And here mm-hmm. I was, you know, just having this identity crisis. And it made me reflect back on like, oh my God, I thought my life was so awful. And not that my issues weren't real and real to me and significant, but I got to see, you know, how much other people were suffering too. Mm-hmm. And everybody was in the same boat with regard to just wanting to be loved and feel valued and feel heard and have a voice um, and be confident and comfortable in who they were. And right. when I like, again, thought about what drove me to that place, it was other people's thoughts of me, other people's opinions of me. And I, again, let that dictate how I was feeling about myself. But when you're that young, you don't really have agency yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but that was the beginning, I guess, of, of this path that I came to be on. Um, and then, of course, comedy really fulfilled it because comedy, I, I like to say, we're the island of misfit toys. You know, everybody who does stand up comedy is, first of all, not normal. Not that there is such a thing of normal, but it's extraordinarily not normal because no completely sane person gets up in front of strangers and tries to make them laugh. Like, I know, but thank God you do. I, I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate humor in my life, particularly today. It is medicine. It is absolute medicine for people. It is. It is. It's healing. It's cathartic. And Mm -hmm. that's why I think a lot of people who have had a gift to other people who are going through something, who've been through something, it's very universal, right? And I think, you know, sometimes people mistake comedians for people who stand in front of brick walls just talking about their private parts. You know, that's, yeah, that's a faction. But the other aspect is people talking about the truth and real life and real circumstances. And, you know, when you give people the ability to laugh at something that has been hard, um, you, you give them permission to, to, to heal. And my, my theory has always been, if you can laugh at it, you can get through it. Yeah. Do you think, um, Kareth, that people have lost their sense of humor? It's definitely teetering on that. I think we can save it. I think we can reel it back in. Um, I think that there is a a level of people wanting to be very conscientious. And there is also a mixture of self-righteousness that's in there Mm -hmm. where, you know, people are so on edge of, of not being politically correct, of not saying the wrong thing, of offending someone else. But not listening to the message anymore. It's like this just reactionary kind of mode that people are in. Instead of listening to what mostly comics do is they mock the absurd. And the absurd is racism. The absurd is sexism. The absurd is homophobia. You know, all of the things that we, you know, see as a, I would say threat to society, but certainly a a hindrance that doesn't connect us. There are people who are kind of overreactive and not letting the comics words and thoughts be processed enough, Mm -hmm. um, you know, by immediately jumping to I'm offended or I'm offended for someone else when the reality is, you know, this is supposed to be truly about connecting us. And I think, you know, one of the things I, I think that it's the seriousness of the things you just mentioned, um, kind of keep people stuck in the anger, sad, outraged, area and they feel as if they don't respond that way, they're somehow not being a good person. When in reality, to do the opposite is self-preservation, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit of, tell me a little bit about um, growing up, you know, wanting to be a comedian, but then also being educated. Oh, no, 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 no. I never wanted to be a comedian. Like, Tommy chose me. <laughs> I was <laughs> never the class clown. I was never the class clown. I was the, you know, straight A student. I honors class. I was vice president of the Latin club. Like, you could not be dorkier than I, like, I was the dork in cool kids clothing, right? You also, Mode, you also missed a ton of school because of your illness. I but did, you, I did. You learned at the top, you know, in honors classes. That's really impressive to me. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I inherited, you know, some really good genes and some intelligence and, and you know, a work ethic. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to fail. Um, I wanted to succeed. I wanted to make my family proud. Like education was always stressed in my household. So was family. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful. I feel very blessed that that was part of you know my upbringing because there are a lot of people who who don't come from a, a background like that. And I, you know, I 
I, I do come from a place of privilege because of that. And um, you care. You care yeah. very well. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think that's definitely set me up for success. But um, with regard to starting comedy, I mean, I always was attracted to it. I used to sneak and stay up late to see who was going to be on the tonight show. Cause mm-hmm. I just love people's take on things. I was always kind of quirky and had a, a unique perspective, but I, I love like taking the mundane and making it like outrageous or taking something really complex and breaking it down or taking something really simple and extrapolating on it to take it to a whole other level. Like I just thought that was so brilliant. It was so genius. And I, I enjoyed it. It was like a, a puzzle, like a mind puzzle, right? Um, and so when I moved to New York City, I, so I got my degree in broadcast journalism from Stevens College, mm-hmm. which is the second oldest women's college in the country. Um, I moved to New York to work for The View because, you know, who better than Barbara Walters to have a right, right. Right? legend that she is. And I got there, and it, but it kind of became my Devil Wears Prada. Do you remember that film? Absolutely. And there was a famous line that Anne Hathaway's character said, a million girls would kill for this job. Why am I miserable? And that was me. And it wasn't that I hated my job. It was just, I wanted to do something more creative. I wanted to be on the other side of the camera. Um, I wanted to have a voice. And I met someone um, by chance, if you believe in chance, there really are no accidents, right? Who was an intern at the soap opera, All My Children, we shared studio space. And she kind of like, caught me in the the shared ladies restroom and she's like hey can you watch me do something and I I always tell people if anybody stops you in a New York City bathroom and asks you to watch them do something you run well I was gonna say I'm surprised you stayed to hear the next one she didn't seem like a threat so I'm like okay what what did you need me to see and she proceeded to do six to seven minutes of stand-up comedy and I remember thinking how I said how did you learn to do this she's like oh I took a class I said you can take a class for this (laughs) I quit, and she said actually I signed up for one and I don't think I can take it anymore maybe you can take my spot and so Mm -hmm. I was making no money like I was low man on the totem pole at the at the view it was a startup show there wasn't a budget like you know I was not the one raking it in and so I went into my savings and for $300 I treated myself for my birthday to a stand-up comedy class and my in New York City at Gotham yeah. Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, that was risky. Not necessarily risky, but I mean, something fun, I guess, you wanted to do at that point. Yeah. Um, but you kept the job. You were still working at oh, the view. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, we're going to go into our first break. Stay with us, and we will be back with Kareth Foster. Now the women to watch. Finance Watch. Finance Watch. At Penn Community Bank, we're committed to giving small business owners the tools and resources to help them succeed financially. As a female entrepreneur, having financial confidence is an invaluable skill to advance your success in life. Whether your business is well-established or in the earliest stages, you're probably used to being a little out of your comfort zone. And that's a good thing. When you're doing something you wouldn't typically do, you're learning and growing. Too often, women let the fear of finances hold them back in personal life decisions and even business decisions. That's why financial literacy is crucial for women and especially female entrepreneurs. When you seem stuck, network. Reach out to successful, innovative, money-savvy women who have been where you are. Financial confidence for women and women business owners in particular isn't talked about enough. Have you ever gotten a question that you just missed because you felt intimidated? As a business owner, you've probably asked yourself everything from what type of checking account is best for your business to how to prepare for yearly taxes. Talking to someone like yourself, who's been there before you, is sure to make you feel comfortable. Start by connecting with other entrepreneurs online that seem in a similar situation, like the service they offer or location. Send a message, introduce yourself, and tell them why you want to connect. What's the worst that could happen? Once you build the confidence, try attending a networking event, particularly for female business owners. Take it even further by joining a female entrepreneur association in your area and get involved. Truth is, even on our most confident days, we could still use some assurance. Women love to see other women achieving their goals and dreams. So reach out, connect, ask questions and learn. Penn Community Bank, here we are and here we grow. Women to watch. Sports watch. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. Jen Welker, and you are listening to Sports Watch. 
losing is a part of life and it is hard for all of us to get over it right like nobody wants to say you know what i'm going to go in this today i'm going to take the l right like i am going to not give my best effort and i really hope that i lose right nobody does that and there's a reason why because we want to we we are taught we are trained to go for the gold to win to be that person who sets the example and yet when we talk about mental toughness, mental toughness is actually the ability to be present, to focus on what's in your control and to move on to the next decision, not focusing on the past. How many plays as an athlete, for example, do you lose to a bad play or a bad call, right? We're all going to have, we're, we're going to miss tackle, for example, right? Like I'm a linebacker. I'm supposed to tackle people. There are going to be times when I miss that tackle. However, do I miss the next three plays because I missed that tackle or do I come back and make the next play? So it's about focus forward, focus present. And what do I need to do right now in this play on this day to win? And that may have been, you know, uh, a result of not winning the last day. If we're so focused in the past, it's really hard to be present, right? You can't do both. We cannot live in our rear view mirror. So what did you take from what took you down? And how are you going to take that into the next play that you make so that your likelihood of a win is a lot greater because you took an L? Follow me and all my adventures, or you could say misadventures, on Welter47 on Instagram or at daywelter47 on Twitter. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm so uh, excited and honored to have with me today Kareth Foster. She is a comedian, a speaker, an author, um, also an expert. And we're going to talk about diversity and inclusion, but your take on it, which I think is really brilliant. Um, just before the break, you were talking about how we really cannot and should not let others define who we are. And I think it's one of the toughest things to learn in life. It's certainly hard for kids. And we see grownups today who still haven't figured it out. And I, you mentioned your TED Talk. I watched it. I loved it. I had two takeaways from that that I wanted to bring up. Um, this really kind of hit my heart when, when you talked about um, others saying, what do we do with her? in reference to you and where they wanted you to fit in, which is just so silly because it's your originality that's so amazing. Um, and and your advice about it's almost never you. So these these worries that we have. So talk about what do we do with her, what, what I'm referencing and um, how that affected you and how you got over that. Sure. So I, again, this kind of goes back to the identity crisis that started as a child, uh, feeling caught between two worlds, not being white, not being black enough for certain people, even including some family members. Um, and then going into the entertainment industry where everything is about, you know, putting someone, casting them as a type. Right. right. And right. I wasn't the kind of sassy black girl who rolled her neck and was the stereotype of what black women were, which was another reason I wanted to do the I miss in the morning um, to take that position because, you know, there was no Oprah at the time her daily show had ended. She hadn't started her network yet. There was no Shonda Rhimes or Viola Davis. Not that those few women, you know, make up for the, the, the deficit of representation, but, you know, at the time, you know, everybody just wanted kind of the next, the next Samore, the next uh, Monique, you know, the next like kind of outrageous black woman with the attitude. And that wasn't me. I grew up in the suburbs. I would go out for auditions and they'd say, because I couldn't say, can you, can you sound blacker? <laughs> Cause that's not politically. They'd say, can you jazz it up a little? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. can you want me to scat? Like, what do you, what do you want from me? Like, no, 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 we're going for an urban sound. Can you do that? I'm like, I grew up in Plano, Texas. I can do suburban <laughs> for you. Will that work? Um, it was almost like your your voice and you, the way you present yourself was too soft for them or something. And if well, it wasn't what they saw of a black woman to sound like, which is so shameful because Correct. you know we come in an array, like just the oh, whole room is an array yeah. of 
of people and identities and situations and and you know to be just stripped down to one dynamic like and that's was part of why I love the work that I do not why part of why but it is a great deal of what my passion is about is is letting people understand that we're not monoliths, right? We are so multidimensional. We are so multifaceted. And to just subscribe to to one facet of our identity, just one thing that defines us, like that's such a disservice um, to the people that we place those ideas on, that narrative mm-hmm. on, but to ourselves. And for the people who don't get it, the people who can't see past that, that's why when I say you, it's, it's not you, it's them. They're the ones who have the blinders on. They're the ones who are are stuck. Um, you know, they're the ones who are dealing with their own problems and issues because they can't see beyond, you know, the the confines that they've made for themselves. Do you think something that I kind of obsess about myself is because I've always, always innately believed there were more good people in the world than bad. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, and I'm often labeled naive for that. And now today, because of the internet, we see all the horrific things that happen every day, all day long. And so I'm starting to question it. And I certainly raised my kids to believe it. So when we talk about the people that have such limiting um, beliefs and tolerance for difference, do you, do you think most of us are um, wanting to, to embrace the differences, but we're just not out there? Or do you think that there's really too much um, of of the opposite of that? Well, I've been called naive too, so we're in the same club. Okay. Um, but you know what? I base it on my personal experience because that's really all I can. Because what we see on television isn't always real. What we see on the internet, we know, is also just a snippet. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's a fabulous picture of someone's vacation or home or dinner or you know romantic partner. Um, and so we have to base our reality on our actual reality. And the reality that I have is one where people hold the door open for me, regardless of their color or ethnicity or gender. Um, the one I have is, you know, I was on an airplane. I just got off a plane to come and do this interview. And an older white gentleman helped me put my bag up over the my seat, you know, yeah. just, you know, you know, so this idea, I, I too, I believe that we have more in common than we don't, first of all. I believe mm-hmm. that there are more good people than bad. We, It's just, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, right? So you're not hearing those yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I'm so glad to hear you say that. And I remember um, one of the, my most favorite things that my mom ever said to me, um, I called her and there was horrific things going on. And I was kind of venting about it because I was losing my sense of the world is really good. And she said, you know, I don't know any of those people. (laughs) And I thought, that's such a great perspective. And it's exactly what you're saying. Base your your, um, opinions on what your life is. And my life is full of joyful, wonderful, amazing people that are doing good things of all walks of life. So that's a good reminder. Yeah. And but there's also an element of personal responsibility there, too. 
which is, you know, what do you want your world to reflect? Do you want to have a bad day? Do you want to have somebody be mean to you? Do you want to, you know, be the the victim of circumstance or of, you know, a, a, an ism that's out there? Or do you want to be authentically yourself mm-hmm. and, and, and see love and see kindness and be part of the goodness that really does exist? And the light is more powerful than the darkness. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to quickly talk about your book. It's a great title. You can be perfect or you can be happy. We all know which is the right thing to be. Mm-hmm. And um, I dove right in. I didn't get to finish it because I thought, oh, I have so much time. Kareth isn't coming on the show till the end of the summer. Um, but something I loved that I read was about the word surrender. Mm. And I think that that is something it's it's a really powerful word. And I think if people can understand what that means, it will help them enormously. So tell me what what it means to you. Well, I think usually when people hear the word surrender, they hear of giving up. Right. They hear of raising the white flag. You know, I give in. You take it. I'm not, you know, putting up a fight anymore. But the surrender that I'm talking about is letting go of the need to be perfect, letting go of the ideal and narrative that society has put upon you or that you may have even put upon yourself, releasing it voluntarily. That is the surrender of which I speak so that you're actually freeing yourself to be who you are and to be content in that and happy in that. And, and again, you know, not having to measure up to any outrageous or unreasonable standard that's impossible to achieve. You know, that doesn't mean you don't strive for excellence. Of course you do. doesn't mean you, you just, you know, throw in the towel and you never put yourself together. You stay in bed. All, like, no, of course you, you apply yourself, but surrender to the idea of this, this perfectionism that is a lie. Right. I, I also think it applies to um, people. There's so many people struggling today, whether it's addiction, you know, it's it's running rampant, um, just struggling emotionally, mentally. And those, I think, who surrender to say, I, I need help. Yeah, I, I can't fight this anymore. Um, that's always the beginning of yeah. a better life, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Surrender to to the rebuilding of yourself, surrender to getting to receiving help, surrender to, to not thinking you have to do it all on your own all the time. Like, you know, one of my favorite chapters is I, I, I say, ask, ask for what? Well, ask for help. Ask you know, we help. think for yeah. some reason in the society that if we ask for help, it's a sign of weakness, yeah. that we're not strong enough and nothing could be further from the truth. Like if people didn't ask for help, there would be no employees anywhere. There would be no venture capitalists. There would be no doctors or lawyers or accountants or teachers because we need help doing all of those things. We don't think about it in that framework. We don't all grow our own food and grind our own, you know, grains to make bread. We go to the store. We, you know, go to the farmer's market because we need help. We're, we we need help. We all do. Right. So there should be no shame in anyone's game for asking for help for whatever mm-hmm. it is you need. Right. Um, okay, let's talk about your me- your methodology around adversity because I think it's so great. And there, you know, we're being bombarded with diversity and inclusion initiatives. Everyone's saying we got to be diverse. We we all know that, right? The world's more interesting with diversity, um, but you want to change it a little bit. Talk about what adversity is. I do. I, I you know I want to put a twist on it. You know I. I I'm not looking to reinvent the wheel, but I think we need to reframe how we have these conversations because what we've been doing for the past multiple decades hasn't been working. And the fact that people are like, we need more diversity programming, we need more, but they're still doing it the same way. Like to me, that's yelling louder at a deaf person. Like that's not changing anything. And the money, spending that money, right? And these programs that aren't working, right? The concept that I have developed is called inversity. And it's still acknowledging, honoring, um, accepting all of the parts of us that make us uniquely us, right? It's our, you know, considering our heritage, our background, our, you know, who we are, what made us who we are. Um, 
But instead of focusing on what separates and divides us, let's shift the focus to what do we have in common? How can we be truly inclusive of one another? But most importantly, and powerfully, how can we be introspective? Meaning understanding your value and worth so that you can then see it in someone else. And for for years, we've been trying to make diversity work from penetrating from the outside in. Well, the reality is, you know, you can't treat somebody else well if you don't treat yourself well. It's like that, you know, this really great book out there. It's worldwide bestseller. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, But how many people are loving themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So if Mm -hmm. you don't value yourself, how in the world are you going to value somebody who's, you know, here from another country, somebody who votes differently from you, somebody who's, you know, has a different like lifestyle. Like there's so many elements of it first understanding that we really are connected. Like there's not another race. It's the human race. Like this is it. And when I lecture at Stanford, I had the very distinct honor of being a, a luminary for the Knight Hennessy Scholars Program, which is Stanford's equivalent of the Oxford, like Oxford Road Scholars. And there's a gentleman there who was uh, a biologist who was lecturing about CRISPR, right? And and DNA. And that's, a you know, its own controversial topic. But I was still curious. I wanted to know, A, what that was about. But I also approached him afterwards. I said, look, you know, I'm in the, the DEI realm. And just out of curiosity, how different are we genetically? Like what, what percentage? Can you give me a number? And he looks me dead in the eye. He goes, Kareth, as human beings, we are 99.99986% the same. Okay. We are fighting, arguing, terrorizing each other over four ten thousandths of a percentage point. And even that percentage point is really more about chromosomal differences. Wow. And actual, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that fact should be out there every day, every day. That should be a repetitive reminder to people. Um, because I think just knowing that remembering that makes you kind of take a step back and think, why are we fighting over these, these differences? Well, I always say that I think as humans, every human on the planet, male, female, no matter the, um, the background, want two things, peace of mind and freedom. Yeah. Right. And no matter the political um, side. So when you see the gosh, the, there's so much anger around the politics. Do you think it's possible for us to come together and be able to actually get things done and move forward? Without question, it's possible. Um, but listen, we're, we're all out of time and I didn't get to ask you half the question. So we're going to have to have you back. Um, thanks so much, Kareth. I really appreciate it. Keep up the good work and the sense of humor. I love it. My absolute pleasure, Sue. Thank you for having me. Stay with us as we go into a break. When I come back, I'm going to be joined by Sherry Marson, our Lifestyle Watch contributor. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch, military watch. My grandson said to me, Grandpa, were you a hero in the war? And I said to him, no, I'm not a hero, but I have served in a company full of them. Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military and Veteran Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. Those humble words were spoken by Dick Winters, a Lancaster, Pennsylvania native and a World War II veteran. Winters and his men from the 101st Airborne Division first saw combat when they parachuted behind enemy lines on June 6, 1944, and what was to become well known as D-Day. Tomorrow, our nation recognizes the 78th anniversary of D-Day, and I'm always amazed by the extensive levels of planning, effort, and bravery that it took to pull off the largest seaborne invasion in history. For those who might not be as familiar with D-Day's magnitude, here's a quick lesson. Under the code name Operation Overlord, the World War II battle that we know as D-Day began on June 6, 1944, with a combined naval, air, and land assault on Nazi-occupied France. Under General Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was the supreme commander of the Allied forces in Europe and the leader of the D-Day invasion, more than 150,000 American British and Canadian troops landed on the five beaches along France's Normandy region. Though the end of the war was still a year away, 
most historians agree that it signaled the beginning of the end of World War II and the collapse of Nazi Germany. The eventual victory came at a great cost, with more than 4,400 Allied troops killed in action on D-Day. To honor their service, the National D-Day Memorial in Bedford, Virginia, has enshrined the 4,414 names of every Allied soldier, sailor, airman, and Coast Guardsman who died that day. Like Winter said, those names enshrine the heroism and selflessness of service members. You can virtually visit and learn more about D-Day by visiting www.dday.org. Now, the women to watch. Marketing Watch. Let's talk about the great resignation. Hi there. My name is Diana Barnes, or DB, as most people call me, and I'm the Chief Brand Officer and Creative Director at Munchkin, the world's most loved baby lifestyle brand. Navigating your career during a global crisis is far from straightforward. Many of us, myself included, have taken stock of our lives, our jobs, and how we spend the time we have. We're always taking inventory of our decisions and making adjustments, but when monumental shifts occur, like a global pandemic, they can result in significant economic movements. Enter the Great Resignation. The Big Quit, as it's also known, isn't just an opportunity for workers to find more lucrative jobs that they can do from their living rooms. Instead, it's a chance for people to find careers in companies that fill their cups. At Munchkin, we strive to create a culture where monetary compensation is a slice of the pie, but not the whole thing. When employees feel good about their work, the causes their company supports, and the opportunities afforded to them, they tend to stick around. Workplace flexibility and compensation are motivation factors, but so are recognition, advancement, and education. Last year, Munchkin was named a great place to work certified company with 88% of our employees saying it's a great place to work. This accolade isn't a result of competitive salaries and flexible schedules alone. We strive to ensure that employees know they're valued, not just for the work they do, but for who they are. If you oversee a company struggling with employee retention, I urge you to tap into your brand's values and those of your team. In what ways can you bring more value to your employees' lives? How can you invest in them so they invest in you? Putting your employees at the forefront of your strategy will only benefit your company and improve the quality of talent you retain and attract. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I'm Sue Rocco, and I am so happy to have with me today and now our on-air Lifestyle Watch contributor, Sherry Marson. Um, Sherry is, I'll, I will say, in the Philadelphia area here, a small business advisor and really an expert around the lifestyle um, field. And she's going to be with us every week um, profiling and spotlighting women that are doing really cool things in the Philadelphia area. So welcome back to the show. Hi, Sue. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. We're, it's getting we're, dark as we speak. All of a sudden, the clouds rolled in. Thunder and lightning behind me. We'll see some little flashes. Hopefully uh, we won't lose power. That would be right. <laughs> no technical issues. So tell us, tell the viewers um, who's coming up and what you're working on for the next segment. Well, you know, your, your mission on this show is to have women on the show who inspire other women. And before I get into my new list, I, I do want to say congratulations to you. Um, how many years have you been doing this now? 10 years. 10 years. Okay. And yeah. you interviewed hundreds and hundreds of women. And I know that your one big goal was to have a national program to inspire and encourage women to be world leaders or, or pursue leadership and encourage women to be leaders. Yes, it, it was. So, yeah. You know, and really when I was little, I wanted a talk show. So now, you know, two things are coming to fruition, yes. um, but really to help, yeah, help women find their own voice. And Kareth and I were talking about that earlier in the show. Well, it's exciting. Um, congratulations. The six at ABC is very exciting for you. I, I know. And me. Um, and you. and, and that. You've not only inspired a lot of women, but you've inspired me. Uh, you know, I had my own business for 23 years and sold it and 
I've been floundering around for the last nine years and you and I had a conversation months ago and you have this one thing that you've said repetitively to me, be yourself in everything you do. You, so I love hearing um, that. Yeah. And, um, so that's what I've decided to get back to. Um, I like you like meeting people and you've given me this opportunity with the lifestyle segment to go out and meet some really cool and fun people. Um, so I'm starting my business again and it's based on that. It is going to be called or is called the fringe and that's fringe spelled with a PH because we are on the, the fringe of the Philadelphia. So I love um, it. I love it. It's very clever. It's going to stick and and it's giving an opportunity for the for the people in the suburbs to to get some exposure. And, yeah, and so I'll, I'll have a social media page set up with that name and um, the people that I interview will be featured on it. Uh, new businesses starting up all in the suburb area or on the fringe of Philly. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. You know, not that we don't want to talk about the center city people, but there's quite a bit of media there. They get great coverage already. So, you know, the, the suburbs, not so much. So yeah. there, there's a lot going on out here. There's some outstanding individuals who have started businesses and created some exciting things. So I'm, I'm excited to cover that. Can so, you tell us, uh, uh, name a couple names who's, who's in uh, the line? Yep, yep, yep. So next week okay. I'll be up at Galen Glen Vineyards. Um, that is Sarah and Erin Troxel. They're a mother and daughter winemaking team. They also oversee the vineyard. Erin, the daughter, uh, well, the mother is a chemist turned winemaker, and the daughter wow. uh, grew up at the vineyard and winery that uh, Sarah and her husband Galen started. It was his family's farm, and they decided to turn it into a vineyard. She went to Cornell. Uh, their daughter went to Cornell, Erin, and she's 34 now, and she's uh, a great winemaker. Sarah was named uh, the uh, winemaker of the year, women winemaker, um, for nationally, not just Pennsylvania, and they are Pennsylvania's best winery, so that's exciting. Awesome. They, are, they are going to be uh, featured in a wine and food pairing at Twice River in Philadelphia, which is a top restaurant there, on June 7th. So if you're so inclined to check out their wines, they'll be tasting through seven wines with a really nice dinner. You um, might need, you might need um, some company with you. <laughs> so I've been diligent in my research. <laughs> <laughs> Look behind me. Wait, here we go. Yeah, I see. What a pretty bottle. It's going to be a busy week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Working your way through each one. Yeah. I want to make sure I'm well versed in each of them. Yeah. Um, I love the mother, excuse me, mother daughter pairing. I love that. Yeah. How unique is that? I don't know yeah. how many there are in the world, but I don't think it's, it's very, um, a very, big thing to be happening. Um, you know, women just aren't on farms that much. So yeah, it's true. a totally different field. Uh, I'm going to be speaking with a woman by the name of Sharon, who started the Mercer Bucks Pickleball Club. Um, you know, pickleball has just like exploded in the last year. It and has, yes. There, there aren't a lot of things going on, like uh, availability of tournaments and that type of thing. So we're going to be visiting with them and finding, learning about more places to be able to play pickleball. What's so great about it is it's for all ages. It's for, you know, anybody who wants to play. It's kind of a, a combination of um, paddle tennis and uh, tennis. Okay. So, um, so a little bit easier, not quite as fast. So as no. we, as we mature, it might be a little bit easier for us to play if we are not able to play tennis anymore. Um, I'm also going to be speaking with Ellen Yin, anybody who's familiar in Philadelphia with the food scene. Ellen's been uh, nominated for numerous James Beard awards, and she is just launching a new pro project called uh, the Wonton Project. So okay. that goes back to her uh, Asian background and giving back to the to the Asian people in in her own way. So she'll tell us more about uh, her wonton project. Is that uh, has that been made public? At the yes. announcement of that. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know she has numerous other restaurants, Fork and High Street Hospitality, and she's mm -hmm. involved with and does the food for A Kitchen and A Bar. 
in conjunction with AKA Hotels. So, um, okay. yeah. So it's just like, she's this woman that keeps inventing herself and yes. she's successful. She's a yeah. word grad, so she's, she's good with business. Um, I'm also going to be speaking with and interviewing uh, the woman who wrote this book, Ellen Warner. You see that, Ellen Warner? I, yeah. I love that. Yep, yep. She is a photojournalist, and she um, has been working on this book since 2006, taking pictures of women all over the world, all different cultures, um, all different financial backgrounds and success uh, failures, you name it. So there are pictures in the book with a story from each of the picture of life after 50. Um, advice that each of them give to people who are not 50 yet of maybe some things that they would want to tweak. Which uh, by the way, isn't 40 the new 50? Yes. Or 50 to move 40? New 40. I think 50 is the new 30. <laughs> Whatever it is, we're 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 living it. But yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm excited for all of these. I can't wait. And it's going to be fun to, to hear and see a new uh, face and hear a new story every week with you. So Thanks. thank you. I'll let you get back to your research. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Stories. <laughs> I'll get out the glass. Yes, get out the glass. Thanks, Sherry. Thank Thank you so much for your kind words. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my interview with Robin Graham. Robin is a author and she has her own podcast. She's also a business advisor. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.